Welcome back to the football podcast from We Play Strong. In this episode, we're looking at the subject of online abuse and the impact it has on people's lives. Online abuse is an increasing issue in society and in football. We're going to talk about the effect it has, the need for victims to be recognized and supported, how top players deal with the issue on a daily basis, and why UEFA campaigns like hashtag RealScars are vital to tackling this issue. Join the conversation online and tell us your thoughts using the hashtag RealScars and the football podcast. My name is Rocky Hayakai and I am your host. Joining us is Birmingham City and Republic of Ireland forward Lucy Quinn and former England and Austin Villa defender and newly appointed Bristol City coach Anita Asante. Welcome and thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. I'm just working hard in, in pre-season um, in the heat, but yeah, no, it's going well. Yeah, very well. Thank you, Rocky. Just, you know, kicking off. A lot of football action with the Euros, punditry stuff, which has been amazing. And obviously, my new appointment as a coach at Bristol with Lauren Smith, I'm really excited about. So, yeah, looking forward to that. So let's get this started, because now we know that this is a deeply personal topic of conversation and it takes a lot of strength and courage to talk about it. So I'd like to start by asking both of you about your personal experiences of online abuse. And so, Lucy, uh, let's start with you. Have you suffered have you suffered online abuse and are you able to share the context of that? Yeah, I did. Um, I did have one occasion where I felt like some online abuse was personally directed at me, as in I was tagged in the comment. Um, whereas before, I think I'd only ever seen general stuff that was under posts that maybe I was in or posts that my team had, had posted. So I have to say that I have been fairly lucky. Um, I have seen teammates and friends suffer a lot worse um, but on one occasion, there was just random Instagram and Twitter comments about um, not not having a great performance, which is fine. That's someone's opinion. But then it did quite get personal with with name calling and, and things like that. And yeah, that was something that kind of was the first time I was experiencing it. Um, and I thought it was a bit strange because I thought it was completely unnecessary, as most of online abuse obviously is. Um, but yeah, it is something that you don't expect to come off of the pitch and and get on your phone so it definitely wasn't pleasant uh when that happened um did you speak to your teammates about that um no i don't think so at the time i i didn't let it affect me at all i felt like that opinion was completely unvalid unvalid obviously they don't know me they don't know anything about me in my life i didn't know this person um and it was just something that i was just like okay if you're gonna sit on your phone or computer and do that that's fine. But I'd actually just played at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So I was buzzing. I was like, I've just gone out to work and you've chosen to abuse me. That's that's your call. Um, but then later on, I was having a conversation with my friends about online abuse and some things that they'd seen. And I just said, oh, yeah, no, don't don't worry. You know, that's happened to me before. You've just got to do your best to just park it and realise that it's a much greater reflection on who they are as a person than on you because you know they've just decided to go and put that out in the world when when it really wasn't needed at all so then it was spoken about a little um but other than that I didn't feel like I really needed to to speak to anyone or get it off my chest like Lucy said I've, I've definitely experienced it but you know I also feel quite fortunate that I haven't had 
the kind of wave of torrent of abuse that some players have had and former players have had and experienced on online platforms. Because I think when you get it in silos and isolated incidences, you probably handle it a little bit better. Like Lucy said, if it's one person, you know, Billy Nobody, you can kind of brush it off. Um, but if it's like a torrent of abuse and it's so instant, that can obviously affect you much deeper. And I've actually just experienced something similar to that quite recently after releasing an article in the press um, about diversity in, in football. And, you know, I just knew, I almost expected it, you know, that I was going to get a wave of some people abusing me related to the subject, but they weren't even concerned about reading kind of the content of what I was putting out there. They were already at the headline, you know, trying to kill me because of this headline, which by the way, I didn't decide on, but that's another thing. Um, but for me, I just felt like you're so used to it as a woman, I think on online platforms, getting some form of abuse, whether it's misogyny, sexism, racism, homophobia, that we kind of just expect it now. And we find the best methods we have to deal with it or, or brush it off. Um, and normally I'm quite good at handling these kinds of circumstances. But in this instance, it actually did bother me a little bit. And I did feel like I had to talk to my partner about it. And I did have to talk to my agent and, you know, the editors at the paper about it as well, because I just was like, you know, this is my first real experience of getting this kind of wave of abuse. Um, I can only imagine what it feels like for others who get it all the time, or, you know, even if they experienced it once, how that can be detrimental to their kind of mental health as well. You already knew by speaking about this topic, um, and I totally understand where you're coming from. If you say like, okay, we're talking about diversity and inclusion, did that add any extra stress for you or how did that work for you? Yeah, it, it did add a little bit of stress. I think for me, it's, you know, that when you're challenging something that isn't necessarily the popular opinion, you're going to get some form of backlash, but it's kind of, it, it makes you question whether or not you sh should keep doing it, you know, or you should keep speaking out or whether you should, is, is it um, worth that kind of energy as well, that, that you're going to receive that kind of, it takes energy from you mentally. I think to constantly uh, be challenged negatively by people who sit behind anonymous accounts in particular, distributing, uh, targeting abuse at individuals, um, you know, but then again, at the same time I think about it and I'm like, no, it's totally worth it. It's worth it just to, to get people like this off these platforms and, and to, to draw them out basically. Cause, and, and it makes it, and it reemphasizes how much of an issue it is and why it's still important actually. Uh, have you ever responded uh, to online abuse, Lucy? Have you ever been tempted to say something back? I've definitely been tempted. Um, <laughs> definitely, definitely been tempted. But I think that's kind of letting them win. Um, obviously, we're professionals at the end of the day, and, and you, you're never going to get into an argument or sink to the level of someone that's throwing abuse at you and, and throw it back their way. Um, But equally, sometimes you do just want to say, well, actually, this is what I meant by that, or this was taken out of context, for example. Um, but again, I, I think you shouldn't have to explain yourself. If I've posted a picture on Instagram with a certain caption, for example, then yeah, maybe 
I am a bit upset that the season hasn't gone the way that we wanted, but I still had good times. So there's definitely been times that I've been tempted, but I think I've always just taken a deep breath and just reminded myself, you know, that's not going to achieve anything and, and you don't have to explain yourself really. Yeah. And does it also, are you also just the one that just shuts her phone down or is it just like, you know what, I'm just going to ignore it. I'm not even going to look at these accounts. I'm not mm. going to read these comments. Yeah, no, it's only, it's not something that I ever go looking for. Um, but sometimes obviously if you're tagged in it, then you get a notification or if it's under a post or a tweet of yours. Um, but it's definitely something that I've just been, you know, I've I've been able to shut off. Um, and I feel, again, like I've been quite lucky like that. Um, I don't know, maybe I've got a little bit of a thick skin and maybe we are just used to it being female athletes, which should never be the case. But I am able to just put that to the side. And like I said, just remind myself that that's a reflection of how, how they are as a human being. And, and I'm not going to sink to that level. Um, but, you know, I definitely think that there are friends of mine and players that aren't able to just shut that away, put it in a box and ignore it. And I think that's why it's really important to keep speaking on it and, and acting so that we can we can stop it really because it's it's just unnecessary and, and it does affect people. And Anita, do you feel the same about that? Are you are you able to shut it off or um how does that work for you? Yeah, I think for the most part, Rocky, I am able to just let it go. Um and I think that's partly because my generation of players, when we came into the game, social media was not the big thing. You know, I got to play a large part of my career when social media wasn't something that we were largely using or interacting with. So this is more of a modern phenomenon for this new generation of players. Um, and so I can kind of like park it and not really worry about it. But at the same time, I think it's important for people to recognize that because the, the way technology has evolved and, and the game has evolved, players are utilizing it, getting the opportunity for fans to interact with them on a deeper, closer level and their personalities. Um, and also, you know, it's the phone thing is, you know, it's addictive. I don't think there's, we can deny that, you know, these technology companies, they, they make it so it is addictive so that people want to engage constantly, that people are checking their notifications on Instagram and all of these other platforms. So you can't necessarily, it's not really fair to the users who are being abused either because they never go in there with the intention of um, provoking anyone. You know, there are just people that use the platforms in the worst way possible. Um, but yeah, I, I found a way to just kind of let it, you know, recognize. I always tell myself, especially with Twitter, it's just a very small percentage of the population that are on this platform. So actually, you know, their opinions are not valid. It's That's, not reflective yeah. of the whole country, <laughs> let alone, you know, your constituency. So like it, it's if you can kind of frame it in that way for yourself, sometimes it's easier to, to let go. But like I said, I do know that it is tough and it is getting harder for so many young players and young people in general who utilize it in, in and they try to use it, utilize it in the most positive way but have to deal with this kind of abuse on a day-to-day -day basis because it's literally taking bullying from the playground to online platforms and it's instant and it's in your face. But also just on that as well, I, I'm a player at the minute. Um, so I feel like sometimes it's, it's unprofessional to get into those kind of back and forths with someone that may be abusive or, you know, just negatively talking about women's football. 
But then I also do agree with the fact that, you know, although I said that I have a strict rule of myself that I never reply or I never engage, there are people in the women's media or in the women's game that are in different positions that are really trailblazing women working in media, women working on blogs for men's football and women's football. And sometimes something needs to be said. And I think that, you know, if, if we were just to always ignore it and and never say anything and never confront it, then that culture is is never going to change. And what we're trying to do in society is actually prove that women can have the same jobs as men. They can speak about football, just like men can do what they'd like to do. They can dance, they can cook. And I think sometimes if it's never met with, actually, this large part of society don't agree with you and your negative comments, then they're never going to change their mindset. Um, so although personally, I think sometimes, you know, don't get into it. There are a group of women, especially in football um, at the minute that are standing up on TV and social media and saying, you know, we are here. We're not going anywhere and we're not going to take your shit. Yeah. And that's the way that it should be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and both of you spoke about um, other players, teammates that, you know, who have had experience who, ha who have experienced more impact of that online abuse um can you maybe um have you seen what what level of impact that that has on that teammate um i think both of you said that but um maybe you lucy i think i've been in the changing room with people that have maybe received comments that are more personal um maybe about their looks or for example something something a lot more specific to that person rather than just a football opinion oh you didn't play very well or you missed that shot and you should have scored I think that's a bit easier to brush off because you're like well you know I don't think you would have scored that sat at home on the sofa <laughs> or football is opinion um, but I think when it's when you're personally attacking someone for the way they look or for their sexual orientation or for their race like that's just when it is more negative in someone's own mind I believe because that's something they can't change that's the way that they are um and I think that that's probably affected people that I've been in the dressing room with more um and and yeah it's, it's probably made people delete social media it's probably made people very quiet or need to go and speak to someone and and obviously as friends you try and rally around that person but unfortunately you can't erase that memory that they've just suffered someone saying that about them um and and you know people can delete social media or take time away from it um because it is more accessible to just abuse someone online but i don't think that's the solution because social media has also done so much for women's football and and so many things um so that for me is just a temporary solution i've been in changing rooms with players in the past and a former teammate as well who's now retired who have experienced that kind of online abuse. And one of them received really inappropriate images into their inbox, um, you know, and, and this is something that I think a lot of young women and girls can can relate to that, you know, this kind of thing where people are sending pictures to them and, and that's a form of abuse. Like often we talk about abuse in terms of language and, and what people are sending out, but those types of images, the fact that, you know, males can do that and send it out there um, is something that most women can relate to and shows a wider cultural problem of like, you know, boys will be boys and that's what they kind of do. And we've gotten so used to laughing it off um, because we, we expect it almost that it's, oh, it's not a big deal, but it is. And I think, you know, 
you don't know how things like that can escalate in terms of that individual's behavior who directs that abuse. Um, and on the second instance was a former retired, now retired player who works in the media, who had to come off social media because of the wave and of abuse that she received for comments related to the game of football. You know, very specific chat and analyzing the form of a team that season and basically targeted abuse at her across all her platforms to the point that she couldn't tolerate it anymore um, and just felt it, it was overwhelming. You know, it was overwhelming for her enough that she felt the best way to deal with it was just to remove herself from social media. Um, and, you know, that's, that's, that's bullying. You know, that's a form of bullying by targeting abuse at someone to the point that they don't get any breathing space. Um, and that they feel the only way they can deal with it is to remove themselves. So, you know, I think people think that words and actions aren't always that significant or deep, but to, to a lot of individuals, it, it is, and it can affect their day-to-day -day lives and how they interact with people and how they see the world as well. And we don't want to create a world full of people who just become pessimistic about interactions with other people. But that's what social media can do um, as well. So, um, you know, that's one of the two examples that I can think of that I was like, you know, th this, this is a major problem and it does need to be looked at and, and resolved because a lot of people as well will experience these things in isolation and won't necessarily talk about it and share what's going on or how it's affecting them because maybe they have the perception that but I should be able to handle this or I think I'm stronger than I thought I was. But none of us will really know what that feels like until we experience that level of abuse, you know, where it's from thousands of people all at once. You know, most people don't experience that in day-to-day -day interactions. So it has a major effect. Yeah, definitely. Um, we're going to speak a little bit more about the campaign hashtag Real Scars and the documentary that's been made. Uh, but these are all topics that come back, um, are, yeah, go back into that documentary. Um, and another question about that, because have you noticed more safeguarding practices being put in place at club or international level regarding uh, to this? I think now there is a more conscious um, effort to talk about the, these issues. Um, I think... In the past, because social media was still relatively new, um, people were still kind of learning about what it, the, the usage, you know, what it, the interactions are like and, and abuse has become one of the forefronts of these issues now. Um, I think clubs are trying, at least from my experience at my previous club, to try and make younger players aware of all the options in terms of how they can safeguard for themselves so whether that's switching off your comments muting conversations you know um making sure you only have a small network of people you know and trust inter that you interact with on say like twitter um so they're trying i think to make you know individual players more aware of the these things but i think we've still got a long way to go um in in that kind of education like i mentioned earlier i think it's a shame just to say well, you need to mute your comments because you're getting abuse. Because no, because you also want people comments saying unbelievable performance today or I love what you're doing or my daughter's a huge fan of yours. Like what a fantastic role model. You don't want to miss out on that just because a small amount of people are, are ruining that. Um, and I agree that social media is 
a business and it's money making and they want lots of people on their networks and I don't think enough action is being taken and stricter punishments given when you breach certain rules um for example there's been a lot of talk of anonymous accounts already and and I don't think that that should be allowed I think we should all have to take responsibility of our accounts just like we do in everyday life just like you go and get into a car and you have to be insured and you have to have a license and you have to have passed a test and be educated on how to use that safely I'm not saying we need to do like a theory test for like no, Instagram, but, what, yeah. but if your Instagram is linked up to an I, yeah, linked up to an ID or a, a passport, then there are going to be repercussions for someone who's seriously misusing social media. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's something that that more need more work needs to be done there. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And uh, I, I do like that a driver's license for social media. Uh, just no, just just at least to <laughs> uh, to be able to identify the person who's behind the computer to make it more. Yeah. To make them think yeah. twice mm. about posting that comment. Um, Anita, you're in a new role. You just spoke also about a little bit about advice for young people. But um, yeah, you, you just you just became became a coach. Um, how how does this uh, play a role in um, in being a coach for young people? Is is this a topic that you talk to to them about? Yeah, well, I think it will be a topic once I'm in there <laughs> with the girls that I will like be addressing because I think you know so much happens on social media, especially for women's footballers. As Lucy mentioned earlier, social media has done a lot for women's football. You know, in terms of awareness people knowing when games are, where they are, raising the profile of the game as a whole, but also individual players. So players are very aware of how they can utilize the platform for raising their own profiles and sharing information. So that's the positive side of it. And I think we, I wouldn't want to discourage young players from, from doing that and, and being responsible and also recognizing that they represent more than themselves as long as they're professionals they represent the club they represent their families you know a lot of a lot of people um so giving them guidance and how to use it responsibly but also making them aware of of what types of challenges they may face whilst using these platforms we have to do and as a coach I, i'll have to do that and i will want my players to feel that if they do experience any level of abuse online that they can come to me or any member of our staff or the club who will support them the best way that we can, um, you know, in this area. Like I said, I'll always keep trying to challenge it from both ends, both as a coach in helping my players, but also from the other end and challenging the actual social media giants with this issue. Yeah. For example, if we look into, um, yeah, uh, women and, and in turn female athletes, why why do you think that women suffer this at a higher level? Well, I think women suffer this at a higher level because of their profiles and they're out there publicly. You're out there on your social media platforms, so you're easily you're easy to find and access from that perspective and target. You know, there may be other players across the football pyramid that experience this too, but you won't necessarily have the same level of attention based on them. You know, it's the same as in the men's football when it comes to racism or whatever. Like, you know, it's the higher profile players that you're going to hear about nine times out of 10 compared to anyone else. Um, but yeah, I think for the the women at the highest level, that 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 is the main factor is just that they are public figures and now you know a lot of players are household names 
you know, the celebrities in their own right. So you're, you're number one, you're an easier target and you're easy to access across a multitude of, of ways and, and platforms. I'd say I would agree with that. I think, one, it's it's probably maybe people that are insecure or threatened by women doing something that stereotypically we shouldn't do. Like, for example, your your standard comments of get back in the kitchen and you're like, well, actually, I've never heard that one before, so well done. And also, like, it's just different to what they're used to, maybe what they experienced growing up and just that mindset that society is in. And I think that opens you up to a little bit of more like being more vulnerable because they're not used to they're not used to that. Like you say, that's not a platform that we'd expect to see, and, and it's threatening. Um, I also don't know if it's because you're because you're an athlete or because you're someone that might be big on social media platforms or someone that's on TV often. People think, oh, you know, well, you've agreed to put yourself out there. You kind of have to handle this abuse and that's something that I think the men get a lot in men's football oh well you make all this money you've signed up for this no no one signed up for that doesn't say in my football contract I enjoy playing football I'd love it to pay the bills also I agree to take all this unsolicited abuse um so I think that's also what it is you know people just assuming well you've put yourself out there you've put yourself on social media and on the tv and in the public eye you have to deal with it when obviously we know that that's not the case. It's also this idea of sport was made for men. I mean, that's the fundamental foundation that, that in terms of society and culture and where this whole thing has come from. So women being in this space now is like a threat to the thing that they've always owned. <laughs> it's yeah, a space exactly. for them where they can go and be, do you know what I mean, aggressive and they can shout and they can jeer and they can do all of this kind of, you know, whatever macho kind of behavior so now that women are into this space we're changing the landscape a little bit and it's a threat to that a little bit so I think that's also where it comes from and the second thing is the constant comparison to men and women in sport as though men we measure ourselves off of men right and what they do so whatever's the highest level for them that is the best and we just measure against that all the time so you know I think that's another reason why we get exposed um to this level of abuse as as female athletes you know at the elite level and in general is is largely due to that as well and that's the culture part that i'm referencing as well yeah right yeah that's um and and, and that's also i mean football is just um just also an example of of society's thinking right so uh you can see that it that it's that yeah that the perception of women in football is just um, you can just easily um, make that same comparison with just women in society in general. Um, so um, just another question, um, Anita. So do you find yourself thinking about what people might say online before you do something in real life? For example, of course, that, that interview where you spoke out about diversity. Um, but do you find yourself thinking about that before you uh, do something in real life? <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I always think, and that's, and I think that's what people should be doing. <laughs> I think the problem is not enough people think <laughs> before they go online and and write whatever they write and and forget about the consequences. But I, I always filter, you know, through myself or through others. You know, what do you think about this or how do you, you know? And I, and not into a way to dilute myself or to pacify myself. But the point is, I want people to engage with really difficult subjects sometimes. So the way in is is trying to get to a level of understanding 
of where we're at and how society engage with these issues and, and bring them in slowly so that you can get that conversation uh, and you don't get that people shutting it down straight away. But I, I think you have to. I mean, once you, as a player or ex-player, when you're a professional, you know that so much of what you say and you do is is a reflection of who you represent as well, your club, your teammates, your family. So everything you do is going to have a consequence to it. And I think that's why I do think about what I'd put out before I put it out. Because whether you like it or not, we live in a society where you are getting judged to some degree. Perceptions are built on who, what you do or how you say it or whatever. Um, and it's not to say that you can't, you can say anything you want, but you've got to say it within reason and in a fair way that is obviously not abusive and can be conversational. And that's to say that you're going to agree with everything. I, I can disagree with others. They can disagree with me, but there's a respectful way to do it. And I think that's the main thing, respect in everything you say and, and everything you do. Yeah. And, and, and how does that work for you, Lucy? Have you ever hesitated uh, about posting something? Um, I'm not sure I've ever hesitated, um, but I think it became apparent that when I went from playing part-time or completely amateur football and I transitioned into a professional, my Instagram and what I was going to post on there was, was completely different to what I was maybe posting before. And I was never posting anything too crazy before, but it would just be more of my personal life, obviously more of maybe my time at university. Um, whereas now I'm, a, I'm aware that actually that's become a bit of a football space for me. And, and a, lot of, a lot of posts might be football related and career related, um, which is, I guess, not hesitating, but that's, that's changed my outlook on social media and how I'm going to portray myself on social media. So if I'm out with my friends for a couple of drinks, I'm less likely to post that than a picture of maybe me playing the last game last week um, because it's just become that space. So I suppose sub subconsciously it has it has changed how I use social media or in the back of my mind thinking about what I post. Yeah, no, I think uh, definitely also when you increase your following and um, then you also just get the get get more thoughts about what you're going to post. Um, we've touched on the increase in, in on online abuse. There's also been research about this, that it is increasing. Um, what do you think is the driving force behind that? Is it just increased? Uh, be, is it just because the visibility of the game has increased or is it something bigger? What do you think, Anita? Yeah, for me... Um... The fact that it's increasing is is no shock to me. <laughs> I think it's increasing because of the world that we live in today. I think you've got people in positions of leadership that aren't real leaders governing countries, being able to absolutely uh, make a mockery of, of democracy and also talk in a way that is divisive, um, you know, whistle calls to very extreme right-wing thinking uh, in our society, then it's going to allow people to feel emboldened in what they say and who they're saying it to. And that's just, for me, a reflection of what's going on in around us uh, in everyday life. And that's just tr transferring to social media platforms where now people who are on the end of it are, are more vulnerable. I said to myself, oh, like, don't go too deep here, Lucy, like, don't start bringing politics into it but I, I completely agree with what Anita's just just said I think more and more 
people in positions of power are standing and saying things that are just completely, I don't know, completely negative towards a certain group of people or like a certain country or, or a certain culture. And then it makes it makes people look around and think, oh, well, if they're saying it, I can say it. And I, and I just think that's dangerous. And yeah, and yeah, like you say, I think people that are supposed to be looking after everybody and, and keeping peace and not doing that. And yeah, I think that's slowly trickling down into society. Yeah. And, and the weird thing about it is that not, not only the, the people in, in power in these positions of power are saying this, but also uh, major influences on social media are, are repeating that message. And, and that's where uh, there's also been some research about that, that there's definitely that social media is, is just a major playing a major part into that wave of online abuse that is just increasing. Um, and that's why I think it's so important to also speak to the governing bodies, to this, to all of the, these big companies of the social media that we've already mentioned. Um, so yeah. Um, what do you think, because we spoke a little bit about this, but what more can be done? I mean, what action uh, would you like to see happen, Lucy? Yeah, like I mentioned before, I think that, you know, maybe not everybody has a driver's license, for example. Not everybody has a passport, and I, I, I completely understand that. But I think there does need to be some sort of link between you and your social media. Um, you know, people will have multiple social media accounts on one device. So I could be on my phone and have three or four Instagrams logged in and I could have one that's Lucy the footballer who appears to be all right on social media and then I could have another account that I could just be completely anonymous and hide myself completely and and throw out abuse so I think we need to crack down on that and and like you say if you're if you're held held responsible for your accounts when you do say something that's completely out of order then you need to be punished for that. And, you know, if, if I was walking down the street and I racially abused someone, that wouldn't just be a slap on the wrist, hopefully. That would be a, a proper punishment. And it's no different hiding behind a laptop or a phone. Um, and so, yeah, I think that needs to be the first the first thing that we can do to see change, I believe, would probably be that. So whilst this issue seems to be amplified for anyone in the public eye, the sad thing is it can happen to anyone, right? With a social media account. Also, if you're a high profile player, but also if you're not. So what would you say to anyone who is suffering or has suffered abuse online, Anita? I'd just say to anyone that's suffering abuse online to make sure that they speak out about it, that they have, you know, hopefully a network, a support network, or I'm sure there are lots of different helplines as well that they can contact to get that support because you're not experiencing this in isolation. There are like hundreds of thousands of people around the world that are going through a similar thing. Uh, and if you can share that, you know, that's super important. But also, of course, you know, you should still do it. You should still report them. You should still do all the necessary things to protect yourself protect your uh, platform and, and your mental headspace. Yeah, yeah, nice. Anything to add on that, Lucy? She took it all away. No, um, <laughs> no. no probably just to echo what I've... Yeah, she's just so good at answering all the questions. I just don't need to worry about it. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> no, just probably echoing what I've said previously about stepping back and and just trying to process that it's more of a reflection on them as a person than than you you know if you're just living your life and being who you are and somebody chooses to abuse you whether that's someone you know or someone that you don't know on social media then 
this says a lot more about them and, and what they're contributing to society and the kind of person that they are. Um, and I know that's a lot easier said than done. Um, but I think it's important to remember that, you know, you can only control yourself. I previously already mentioned uh, something about the hashtag Real Scars campaign. Uh, if you're in the stadiums, you might sometimes see some information about that hashtag Real Scars. I actually just uh, um, saw the, the the short documentary that they made, Outraged, um, about online, abu online abuse. We've got some male players and also female players. For example, Renny Renard speaking about online abuse. Also, of course, a very high profile player who has experienced a lot of online abuse abuse uh, about just even the way she looks um, and um, yeah it's definitely I think a, a really strong and powerful film not only because you see the players uh, speak but you also you also hear some people talking about the research that's been done about that online abuse so uh, definitely want to watch but um, Lucy how important is it that UEFA um, yeah creates this campaign and wants to empower people to uh, to speak about this and to do something about this on online abuse. Yeah, it's it's massively important. Obviously, UEFA are a, a, a large organization that everybody is aware of if they're if they're following the game or following the Euros, for example. Um, and I think it's similar to what we've seen happen with mental health in general, that it needs to become more common that you don't have to suffer in silence with your mental health and that there are other people going through it and that you're not in it alone and it's 2022 and we can talk about it and and we want everybody to be healthy and happy um and i think that's something that's still got to change drastically you know even phrases like man up no we know that it's okay that guys sometimes experience issues with their mental health or whatever it might be and that we need to speak about it and i think that's That's really why it's important that UEFA and other organizations are doing campaigns like the one we're talking about, because, again, you're not the only person being abused on social media and it's not okay. And there are people for you to to talk to about it. And hopefully in the future, we'll see more things being done to prevent that. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, so important, right? Yeah. And um, Anita, uh, how key is it that people feel confident to challenge and to report online abuse? Yeah, I think it's tough. I think that's down to the individual. I don't think all people feel empowered to challenge anything in life all the time. Um, you might feel, you know, more confident at one point in your life than you do another. But it's important, you know, I guess at the end of the day to bring awareness to the subject, um, get people talking about it, get people comfortable, feeling like they're part of a safe space where they can raise these issues. Um, and as you mentioned before about UEFA as a massive governing body, you know, football can do so much for people all over the world in terms of it brings and unites communities as well. And that's the positive impact that football can have. But it can also create culture shifts and breaking these last taboos in terms of talking, you know, being open to talk, whether you're male, female, cross gender um, will go a long way into improving the culture of the game. Uh, both on and off the pitch in terms of social media and in general society. So, you know, if football can lead in a positive way as a force for change, then it's always a good thing. And this is one way to do it, having campaigns like this that people can't miss and they're going to see and it might just, you know, speak to them in that moment. They're like, you know, I'm going through this. Actually, let me click on that and and they'll learn something or they'll feel supported is is huge. And you can never underestimate 
um, these small things or what we consider maybe small sometimes, the impact it can have on, on people. We hope you've taken a lot from this episode. Anita and Lucy, thank you so much for joining us and for being so open and honest about your experiences. I'd also like to wish you all the luck for the next season and all of your new challenges. And if you are a victim of online abuse, please remember to check your online privacy settings and be sure to report any incidents through the appropriate social media site. Thank you again. Be sure to follow and subscribe to We Play Strong and talk to you soon. Bye-bye.